Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. And welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia with you here on the show as we move toward the week. We've got a lot of fun stuff to get to a little bit later in the show. We're going to go through some potential odds in the NFL that you may want to get down on. And, of course, we'll dive into some potential players even, too, as the fantasy football season starts up in a couple of months. But uh, for now, we're kind of right back where we started is yesterday. Uh, some more back and forth, unfortunately, with Major League Baseball as they continue to sort of spar over, uh, you know, really just, uh, you know, getting the season started. Uh, Carl Ravage, ironically, you don't hear a lot of uh, breaking news from Carl Ravage, but Carl Ravage was the one to report it yesterday uh, that baseball essentially decided, hey, look, we're going to allow you to play more games, but we're going to pay a little bit less money. And of course, uh, the union at this point, the players union doesn't want to do that. They want their full salary. So inevitably, they're they're going to play. They're going to play, you know, uh, less games than than the uh, than the players want and more games than the owners want. But it seems to be just taking a long time to go back and forth. I wish that they would have realized how publicly this was going to play out, but they really didn't think that through, I guess. Well, I, I think they thought it through. They just don't care. I think that's the difference. They, they just don't care. They're, they're concerned with um, more of the bottom line than they are concerned with the public opinion. And that's fair. I mean, maybe they are right. Maybe they're holding all the cards, Greg, and they believe that – it doesn't matter. Everyone will say and bitch and moan, but they'll come back and we'll put the product on the field and maybe they're calling everyone else's bluff. But I know there's a lot of people out there who become very disenfranchised with this whole thing. And and I can understand why. And I think it's fair that some people have and whether or not they do blink and come back. We'll see. You know, yesterday on the show, we talked about the great rivalries in tennis of Martina Navratilova and Chris Everett. And Craig, it feels like we're in the middle of one of these matches and it feels like we're right there on the net and we're just watching back and forth as they hit the ball back and forth. And it just seems to go on and on and on. And uh, there seems to be no love in this tennis match at all. It just seems to be going on and on forever. And I think you're right. Someone eventually is going to blink and cave uh, or or maybe both sides just blink and cave enough that we can move on. But it, it certainly feels like all the the makings of a season are there. I just think it would be a PR disaster if we don't get a season before their actual draft, because that is one of the great events in baseball. And you don't want to kind of tarnish that with this. So hopefully in the next 24 hours, we have some news. Yeah, doesn't look like it. I mean, it seems like they just are just going to keep dragging this out. And the longer it goes, the less of a season they'll be. But, you know, from the owner's perspective, I guess that's the way to go here, because the longer they do drag it out, the less games that they'll be able to play and you know, the players union at some point is going to have to decide whether or not they want to play and, and get paid. And I think that that's, uh, you know, part of it, too. I have a question so. for you, Craig. How, how many games do you in your heart like and you might not have the answer, but I'm just asking you as a, you know, as a baseball man, what do you believe the owners want in terms of uh, games in a season? What do you think their perfect amount is? And there's a reason I'm the asking. Le- the, the regular season? Yeah. The least amount possible? If that's the case, then it behooves them to do anything but wait out the clock and tick tock, right? Because if they want to play as little as possible, the longer sure. they push it, time is basically on their side. That's the one piece of leverage the owners have is time. Because if that's what they want, then the longer they wait, they're going to have to settle on the shorter season and even pay them more for the shorter season or whatever it ends up being. So do you think that's kind of what their play is right now? They're just basically letting the clock run out and taking knees? I mean, it, it feels like it. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, I mean, basically they, they don't have any incentive to start soon. They they basically want to pay as little, they'll pay prorated salary, but they want to go as far away from 82 as they possibly can. And so, um, you know, honestly, if the players uh, want to get it done, all they got to do is basically, I think, say, okay, we'll accept 70 and then that'd be it. You know, I think that there'd be a, we're a 65 or I think there'd be a season. Inevitably, the owners are just trying to shave as many games as they can without fans off 82 games and save as much money as they can for their brethren. And that makes sense from the players perspective. They'd like to get paid their full salaries for as many games as possible. We all know 114 is not realistic. 100 is not realistic either. So, um, you know, that's just it's just kind of this game of chess that. You know, in a normal situation 20 years ago without social media, without following every single day and comments going back and forth, 
you know, we, we would just be waiting. But because this all plays out publicly and it goes back and forth, that becomes the annoying part of it. It's annoying for me. It's annoying for everybody. But, you know, I pretty much still stand by everything that I've said. I do believe there'll be a season. Um, I don't think that anybody will ever look back on the last two weeks or three weeks of the fighting back and forth and and even care. I, I just I don't think that that's going to factor in at all to anybody's equation. And I would even go a step further. I think that if in a worst case scenario, in basically a drop dead scenario where there would be no season whatsoever, there would be a lot of angst. There'd be a lot of people yelling and screaming. And I've seen this play out in every sport, in everything mm -hmm. on social media in the last 10 years. And eventually the people come back. They do. So, um, you know, I just I, I can't get too fired up about this. I mean, I'm upset. I mean, I want there to be a season. I want it to play out. But more than anything, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to read about it until right. I know it's done. Just tell me one way or the other. But I thought Wednesday was was absolutely you know, the, the final possibility of, of one way or the other. And I, and I saw the report that said that Wednesday is sort of the drop dead date anyway, mm -hmm. but now it wouldn't even surprise me to go deeper than that. It just, they <laughs> well, don't, they don't have I mean. any, they don't have any semblance of, of, of Kuth at this point. No, there's no Kuth. What this means. Kuth. Kuth has been let go a long time ago. That's, that's definitely for sure. They, they, uh, they care about one thing. They care about the bottom line, and that goes for both sides in this one. And and I guess from a fantasy perspective, we're going to turn it into a little FST talk. I guess here's the question I have for you now is, as a season long, again, not daily fantasy, that's a different beast. Baseball's back. I'll be playing daily fantasy like a lot of other people out there. But not everybody plays daily fantasy baseball specifically. So from a season long fantasy baseball perspective, what's your cutoff? Like, what's your limit where you just say, we're not playing this season out? Like, do you, do you just go with whatever they give you? Do you try to structure playoffs like in head-to-head -head leagues like mine? For instance, most of the ones I do are head-to-head -head points leagues. I mean, we go into playoffs basically in August. I mean, if you're, we're not starting till July. I don't know how that's going to play out. Where do you go? I know every league is different, but where what's your threshold in saying, this is the number of games you're giving me? I'm out. We're not playing the league this year or we're going to redo it or we'll figure something out. I know you want to redo every league, but what's your threshold where you cut off and say, no, enough is enough. It's not worth playing. I, mean, I, I think that I think for sure I'll play a league and I'll play at least one league this year. I think for mm -hmm. sure I'll do something. Uh, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't say I would do nothing. I mean, I suppose if there was no season, then I would do nothing. But even if it was a 50 game season, instead of doing maybe five leagues, I would do one or I would do two. But I, I just don't think from a strategy perspective, anything that you thought in February or March is relevant right now. I mean, I really don't think so. I mean, there's there's you could be right on a player or two, but does a 50-game sample really indicate the um, the strength of, of knowledge of a player or an individual? I don't know. I don't play think out? so, but that's why I'm asking you because I say no, but... It's a it's a guess, but it, but sports is basically a guess. So you know, I mean, I I would I would probably play in one just to have fun with it, but I wouldn't look at this year in particular as as a season that you know financially really makes sense to dump a lot of money into. I I mean, I certainly couldn't go back to my the people who were in my fantasy league and say, hey, you know, the league is normally two hundred and fifty dollars. You got to pay two hundred and fifty dollars. I could not do that. I could not ask for that, and that's why I wonder about the uh, the NFBC, you know, and I and I wonder about all of those leagues that have right. been done. The bigger investments make it really difficult. I agree. I mean, that that to me, Joe, is something I'm keeping a very close eye on to see what happens because, you know, for me, there's only one right thing to do with that. So, I mean, I, I don't know what they're going to do, but they're in a very, very – I don't want to be in their shoes in uh, in a week or two, one way or the other. I mean, what do you think? What do you think? I, I, guess, I guess you have to – I think redoing it – opens up Pandora's box. I just do. I think it's the right thing to do theoretically, but at the same time, I think undoing these guys and redoing drafts with these type of in investments. Let me just ask oh, okay. the question. You paid a thousand dollars for an <laughs> NFBC. I know thousand dollars. And I mean, I haven't read the rules and restrictions and all that. I mean, there's some people who play $50 games. I get that. Right. And so for $1,000, you got 50 games out of it. That's the deal. I mean, that's that's basically it. You just paid and you got your 50 games and that's it. You think it's, that's fair? You I don't think, so I don't you, know. I don't so, know. Is it fair to undo a draft where people, you know, people have teams that are set up very well, that they like how the draft went for them and 
you know, they did all that work. It's yes, I, I get it. It is, a, it is unfair. I mean, Las Vegas, so you're no going fair. to the window and you're getting your money back. Well, I mean, if that's the precedent, then I guess this I mean, is But the, this isn't betting. This is different. Well, so I was just going to say, but this is the higher theoretical argument we always have. Is fantasy sports a game of skill or is it uh, or is it a form of betting? And my answer is always yes. <laughs> like it's it's both of those things. It's it is a game of skill, but at the same time, uh, there is nothing to say that it's it's also not wagering. When you put money involved in betting, yeah, it's it's part of that same universe. It's I like mean, that I, little I mean, I, I Venn diagram. So. I mean, I, fantasy I, sports I, falls. In the- I mean, I'm I'm fairly certain that if you bet the Yankees to win the World Series in March, that on the ticket it's going to say a certain amount of games played Absolutely. during the season, and and the same thing goes for any prop or anything else. So. From my perspective, I hate to say it, but I mean, they are running a business and I get it. And I'm sure the first thing that they're going to do is say, you know, we'll credit you toward next year, which is that would be my thing is you just have to look at which is a start, which is a start. But I certainly don't think that my thousand dollar season long investment that ends up being a month and a half was. (laughs) <laughs> was uh, was worthy of my thousand dollars. I mean, I don't know, so, but, but you're not going to discourage those NFBC people. Like they're they live for this. So the high stakes NFBC or NFFC, whatever you know, it ends up being baseball or football this year. I I don't think, I don't think you're ever going to discourage them from coming back next year. It's this is just an unfortunate. It's not, about, it's not about coming. It's not about coming back. It's about making the right decision. And and well, so, I will say this. I think going forward, there will be stipulations in there regarding this because this is probably not the last time this happens. So if that's the case, I think going forward, there will be stipulations that if, you know, if the season is delayed X number of games or whatever it is, there will be a redraft on this date. And then everybody knows going into it this year, you're kind of just screwed. Like there's no way to say, I think you just, I think you just let it play out and it's unfortunate. It sucks, but you know what? You signed up for it. That's the season. Then that's the season you play out. I understand the frustration level of the other people who don't agree with that. And it's fair and I'm validating their concerns. But I think all you can do is going forward next year, build in something that you know, like you said, if Vegas says, well, Yankees win the World Series, you have to play X number of games for this ticket to win. Same thing. If if Major League Baseball season is interrupted, then you have a mandatory redraft before the season or whatever that is when it actually happens. But I think going forward, you have to put new protocols in place to take care of that. No, I, I understand what you're saying, but these guys were still allowing people to draft while the season was was basically postponed in April. Well, that's so, again I mean, allowing. I and, mean, listen, the, you, again, there and, are there are a lot of sickos that are still playing that say, will not care. They, they don't care, and I get it. But and but that maybe that's fifty percent of the pie chart. What about the other fifty percent of the people who are like, hey, you like, have to you have to enter that league at that time, and if you do, you have to know what you're getting into and know the risk. That's all I can say. I know we're up against it, but that's all I can say. Seems like a pretty weak uh, play out if that's uh, if that if that's the deal. All right, coming up next, this day in fantasy sports and fantasy sports birthdays. We're back on FST here on Sports Grid right after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back. It's June the 9th. Welcome back. It's Fantasy Sports Today. It's time for this day in Fantasy Sports and our Fantasy Sports Birthdays as we get into it today. And, of course, we continue on here in the month of June, giving you the best in fantasy sports, giving you and telling you whose birthday it was, talking about those players. Hopefully in July, we're back to sports and away from birthdays. But for the time being, that's where we're at here. It's just kind of what we're saddled with here. But, um Either way, uh, let's get started here. It's June the 9th. We'll start off in 1978. Larry Holmes defeats Ken Norton to win the heavyweight champion. And, of course, uh, at that point, Holmes goes on to have about a 10-year run in boxing and then got older and still stuck around. Uh, Holmes was at a point, essentially, until Mike Tyson came around, that he was more or less the best champion and the best heavyweight champion. The problem was, 
uh, during that era. Not a lot of uh, great fighters during that time, too. You know, it's kind of the uh, the Leonard and Michael Spinks era, some other guys like that you could kind of uh, sprinkle in there. But Ken Norton was a hell of a fighter, too. I think he kind of gets lost in the shuffle of Ali and Frazier. If you go watch some of those Ken Norton fights against those guys, those are incredible boxing matches. Those are just all-and-out brawl slugfest-type matches there. I remember, like I said, my grandfather was a boxer, and he and I used to watch a lot of boxing, and I remember when we moved to Jersey on ESPN Classic, they used to rerun a lot of these fights, and he and I would sit there on, like, a Saturday afternoon and watch one of these fights together, and uh, Ken Norton was really something, that's for sure. But uh, I will say this, you know, I think anybody who ran up against Mike Tyson, I think that's that <laughs> was going to fail. Like, I don't, I don't care who it was at that point in time. It was Mike Tyson and everybody else. And um, told Buster Douglas, I mean, that that run was pretty epic. So, uh, you know, good run for Larry Holmes, but no offense to him. Anybody who would have uh, run up against Mike Tyson was uh, not long for that match. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, I mean, just weren't a lot of great champions in the heavyweight division during that time. Tyson came along, uh, dominated division, and certainly he, you know, had his fair share of, of, uh, of heavyweights, too. But um, you know, clearly after, you know, Tyson was toward the end, there was Riddick Bowe, mm-hmm. uh, Oliver McCall. Well, Evander Holyfield, Holyfield was the best. Holyfield yeah. was a great fighter. Holyfield was a match for Tyson. Holyfield was a better boxer than Tyson. Tyson was a better pure puncher. I mean, Tyson's game was very different than Holyfield's. The problem was when Tyson and Holyfield finally did match up, it had been that second rung of Tyson's career was after a lot of the scandals, after a lot of the issues. If there was like a two-year difference of when that matchup had taken place, I think you would have gotten a much different kind of fight. It ended up kind of not living up to the potential that it could have been, unfortunately. But man, like Evander Holyfield, again, one of the great boxers too. That was the one guy that could have been that great rival, that Ali Frazier kind of rival for him. But unfortunately for Tyson, at that point in time, there were too many other distractions, too many other scandals, too many other issues, and he was not the same fighter he was when you had those series of matches, unfortunately. All right, 1991, let's move on to some tennis. Of course, the French Open is the month of June, so we're getting a lot of that over the last few days. And Jim Courier, very underrated uh, Grand Slam winner, uh, ended up beating Andre Agassi in 1991. Later on, Agassi takes a break, essentially, from tennis and comes back and becomes the best player in the world. But not many uh, people talk about how good Jim Courier was, and certainly he was one of the best during his time. Sometimes the number one player in the world, sometimes the number two player in the world, and a name that I haven't really thought about in a while. No, me neither. But he did have a fantastic run there. He was kind of a golden boy of tennis there in the American circuit, for sure. Uh, and Andre Agassi, very you know personal favorite of mine, obviously, because there's not a lot of guys that have that incredible flowing locks. And then at one point go, you know what? It's not going my way going to shave the dome and he was one of those first guys early on and it was kind of shocking to a lot of people especially a lot of the ladies who were used to the flowing locks of Andre Agassi and he had that shaved head look and I gotta tell you thank you Andre Agassi for making it a safe place for guys like me I appreciate you my brother all right (laughs) (laughs) not there yet hey the bald guys got to stick together here Mish this is what happens we're I hear you we're a team 2001, how about the Colorado Avalanche win the Stanley Cup championship? Certainly everybody remembers that great run that they had, no doubt. Uh, 2016, the Philadelphia Phillies, they have the first overall pick in the draft. They just hit the tank button and went all the way down to the bottom. They draft Mickey Moniak, number one. And I don't know, to this point, uh, I mean, he's okay. But, you know, certainly, I mean, I I hate to say it, but we're a year or two away from wondering whether or not this kid is going to work out. I know he was very highly regarded, but thus far, it's been a little bit of a mixed bag. You're not going to believe this. This is the second Mickey Moniak conversation I'm having today. And that is two more than I've had in the last two years. I can tell you that much. And and it's because of the draft we're talking about that. But this is why I think it's very important to do your own work as a fantasy person. Like, you know, if you are a baseball person and you know the game and you've seen the game, you should trust your own eyes a little bit, too. If you especially if you played the game at any kind of mid to high level. Yeah, you could you can listen to a lot of the, the experts and the people who do this draft stuff. But watch and, and take your notes. I know what I like to do is going into the MLB draft. I like to go and I like to see all the tape on the kids because you can on YouTube when they replay a special before. It's like a preview special where you run through all the guys. And I remember this year specifically, Mickey Moniak and watching all the film and going, I don't see what everybody else is talking about. I just didn't. And that was just me. And you can go back to the Black Book a couple years ago and read about it. I thought this was a very odd number one overall pick, especially considering the board that year back in 2016. And 
I think sometimes you trust your eyes. Like sometimes you see these guys and they'll go reach and then Mickey Moniak also then becomes one of these assets in dynasty keeper leagues. Like, oh, he's the number one overall pick. And if you believe that he is not going to be a big league impact player, then this is why you always trade those assets. Because the one thing every year in dynasty leagues that recycles that you get new of is young, fresh talent. You got a draft. You got guys that emerge out of the minor league system that come out of nowhere. You and I both know this. The one thing you can't find a good supply of always is great major league talent. So anytime you can flip those guys and get major league controllable talent in your fantasy leagues and dynasty and keeper situations, I recommend doing it. Win in the two to three year window. Worry about next year, next year, because there'll be a whole new crop of these guys coming through. All right, 2018, Justify wins the Belmont and then wins the Triple Crown. We had so many horses that were winning the first two races of the Triple Crown, and Justify got it done. In 2018, we got a uh, Triple Crown winner. It's the one horse I ever bet on in my entire life, Kentucky Derby, Las Vegas, Justify, and I won, and then I was immediately mad that I didn't bet more money. So there you go. It's a good thing I got out of Vegas. That would have been an unhealthy place for me. 200 bucks? (laughs) 50 bucks, 10 bucks. No, yeah, it was a $200 bet. I bet 200 and I and he was the favorite. And I was like, I, I'm just going to put it on the favorite. I don't care. I know nothing about horse racing. I was literally there. My friend just got married by Elvis a few hours before. We were killing time hanging out in the uh, in the sports book there. And I said, eh, let's do it. Let's have some fun. We're going to watch the horse race. And we won money. And I went, well, I really should have put more money on that. <laughs> well, that's for sure. All right. Yeah. Uh, this day in fantasy sports, uh, birthdays for June the 9th. We'll get started. Uh, back 1940, the great Dick Vitale was born. Sarasota resident also. I knew uh, Dick when he was living there. He still uh, lives there as well. And, uh, and really, you know, an NBA coach, Joe. But really, I would say the broadcaster that brought college basketball firmly onto the map like he is basically the guy that brought the enthusiasm and the love for college basketball and still has it to this day yeah i mean the passion the passion enthusiasm of this guy and he's a huge Rays fan too i mean he's a guy who always talked baseball with you he's just like a fan of life you gotta love dick vitale he's another one of these guys where you say his name you just smile and he's a bit of a character but you know what it's just it's great for sports he's he's great tv he's great theater and he just seems like a fun guy to be around i don't know if you want to live with the guy I got to ask his wife about that, what the day-to-day Dick Vitale is like. But the small doses of Dick Vitale, always fantastic. I always think about him and Jim Valvano in those early years together. Those guys were just hysterical when they were on that desk together talking uh, college basketball back in the day. Yeah, I'm still a huge fan of Dick Vitale. I mean, I don't know how anybody could say that they don't like him. But some people do. All right, 1951, the Cobra, Dave Parker. And uh, hopefully, I think we both agree, we'd love to see him in the Hall of Fame one day for sure. 1973, uh, Teddy Bruschi, one of your favorites, I'm guessing. One of my favorites, absolutely. Good, uh, good broadcaster as well. Bruschi was, uh, you know, really the, I mean, the, I mean, the bona fide, what did you say, the captain of that defense for a while? Yeah, he was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. And a lot yeah. of people forget he had retired and then came back because he had that health issue and the career had been taken early from him. And then he got back and he was able to make it back for another run with the team and, He's just one of those likable guys. Like, he just loved Teddy Bruschi. He's a football player. And that was, it was a lot of guys on that defense at that time, like William McGinnis and Mike Vrabel. They were football players first and foremost. And that was just a, a fun defense to watch. And Bruschi, I mean, it's just a great football name. I mean, Bruschi, I mean, you know, you see him playing out there in the snow, making tackles, forcing fumbles. He was also had a knack for the big play, too. You know, kind of after him, Ninkovich was kind of like that. He had the knack for the big play, but Bruski was always in the right place at the right time. And he is certainly one of those beloved figures in Patriot fandom. All right. Uh, 1980, Udonis Haslam, one of the longest tenured players in the history of the NBA. He's going to get his uh, final eight games in, I think, uh, at the end <laughs> of the regular season. He probably won't play in any of them and then uh, play in the playoffs. But the question that everybody will ask Joe here in South Florida is, will Haslam come back again? Uh, next year, he's kind of like a de facto coach at this point, doesn't really play a lot, but uh, he's a top three guy in the history of the NBA for playing uh, the longest time with one team. So pretty impressive. I mean, in the history of the NBA, you never would think that. No, it's it's incredible. I mean, I think anybody who plays professional sports for 20 years is just it's just a marvel to look at, not only for just from the a same physical team. standpoint, the same. Well, team that's that's even time. more insane. I mean, that's like Jeter. You know how many of those guys are there? But it's weird to me, like just not just the physical stuff, but the mental wear and tear of it, too. Like, I can't imagine, you know, how much that takes mentally. I know it's nice for some guys like they have their schedule and they know and, you know, the family knows and everybody kind of just adapts. And this is our world and this is just their normal. 
but man, the, just the night in, night out, 20 something years playing a professional sport, I think is always just staggering. And I think, you know, I think that's why you you do give the nod to the guys like the Craig Biggio's of the world. People say, well, Biggio was a compiler. Well, you know what? He was a really good player for a really long time. And he played baseball at three different positions and was all star in all three. And I think sometimes you have to go back and you have to respect not just the dominant players in a short period of time, but the players who are really good and were able to go in there and do their job at a high level for a very high period of time. And I think or a very long period of time, excuse me, I think that matters. And I think we should celebrate that not equally but celebrate that more because i think sometimes those guys get disregarded a little bit would you agree with that yeah no i think so and and look i don't think udonis haslam is a hall of famer but he does have three nba championships and um he's had a great career so i mean hard hard to argue with what he's done and Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean I, i don't know we'll see if he keeps playing his son is uh you know headed to play college football as well um, okay, so now uh, our final one, Yulieski Guriel, born in 1984. Guriel, of, of course, part of the Houston Astros. And, uh, and wow, he put together a season that I did not see coming last year, especially after that first half that he had. But, yeah, he was an absolute monster last year. Happy birthday to Yulieski Guriel of the Astros. That'll close it out for our fantasy sports birthdays and this day in fantasy sports history. Coming up next, it is time to dive into a little best ball Football? Really? In June? All right. We'll do that coming up next right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Give you some inside tips in terms of wide receivers, some players uh, potentially that Joe is targeting in his best ball drafts. If he has done any, then we'll hit on that next. I have not. We'll be back with more Fantasy Sports Today in just a couple of minutes. Make sure you like and subscribe to our show. Also, don't forget, Sports Grid is now on radio. We have our brand new YouTube channel Scott Wetzel and our good friend Gabe Morency, along with Scott Farrell, are broadcasting live every single day there on, on SB Nation Radio. Make sure you log on to YouTube, subscribe to our Sports Grid channel, but also our Sports Grid radio channel because you can't get enough Sports Grid during the day. We got it for you overnight. And we'll have that coming up next in the wide receivers. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia here with you. I know a lot of people are logging on to the FanDuel Sportsbook, and if you are, make sure you stay tuned because coming up a little later, I think that we're going to have an interesting conversation about Henry Ruggs III. There's actually a very rare bet on a player that I really like, and so uh, I want to talk about that coming up a little bit later in the show. Um There are some crazy people out there who are getting engaged in uh, fantasy football best ball uh, leagues. Now, the good news for me is at this point, um, and and I have not been on social media as much as I normally have been, trying to stay away from all this negativity with the baseball, not with every other thing, but with the baseball specifically. And I haven't seen uh, a lot of people drafting in best ball. So, uh, and I do follow a lot of the, the, uh, the football accounts too. So that's a good sign for me that people are waiting. But I understand that if there indeed is no baseball whatsoever, then people are going to have to pivot to something else. Uh, For us, it will be the NBA, and that will be starting up in about a month from now. But certainly there is uh, an opportunity to at least discuss some of the players. I'm not going to be foolish about this. I mean, we are doing betting talk on uh, on football, and that doesn't start up for months anyway. So why not dive into a few players, uh, Joe, potentially that could have some potential in uh, 2020? Yes. Well, this is also a tale of two different Twitter fees because Craig might not see a lot of this, but I'm seeing a ton of best ball stuff going through here. And we just had some fantastic conversations actually on the, some of the podcasts here on Black Book and also on Fantasy Pros. We got to some big conversations about best ball. And Tim Heaney, uh, our good friend, does the best ball chapter in the Black Book that's over on Amazon right now. And 
you know, this is a, a unique period of time where Craig is talking about, yeah, there will be a lot of people who are pivoting and start looking for other things to do. And there will be a lot of fresh meat in a lot of these best ball leagues who really don't know what they're doing or just want to do it on a lark. And I think there's an opportunity. This is the time of year normally where best ball starts to heat up, which is end of June. And I will be getting into it probably by the end of the month. But so far, the early ADPs, there's some guys, especially in the wide receiver category, that I think have a lot of upside and good return on investment. And I think it's worth kind of noting that if you are going to start going into this, not only, you know, obviously go go read Tim's chapter, but also make sure you're looking at some of these players that have good returns because that's what best ball is all about. If you have a good knowledge of the pool and depth of the league, you understand which backup running backs and third string running backs have potential to see time this year, uh, guys who could emerge on different teams, then be, then best ball is good for you, especially if you're someone who you know only plays one league and you like to do more. Well, you can do best ball. And for those who don't know, you, you set your lineup and you forget it. Basically, you draft your team and that's it. And there's no transactions and other stuff. It's just that best roster is going to end up winning. And the first guy on this list for me is Adam Thielen. You know, it's not that long ago, Craig, that Adam Thielen had 1300 yards and we know the volumes there. And there's a lot of negativity surrounding Thielen because, well, Diggs is gone and how's it going to work if he's going to see a lot of double coverage. But you know what? I'm still looking at Adam Thielen just from the volume alone of the target share he's going to get in this offense. And I still see him being a very good return on investment. Right now you're looking at a fourth pick in the fourth round. That's his average ADP. And I think that value is well above that. Actually even nine spots potentially above that. So uh, first thought, on Adam Thielen, are you concerned with the, you know, subtraction of digs as much as some other people? Or do you see just an opportunity for Adam Thielen to continue to basically show everybody that he is always going to perform better than your expectations? Yeah, I think that if healthy, he'll probably end up being a wide receiver one, I would say, in fantasy. I think there's a pretty good shot of that. And health was really the only thing that derailed him last year. Um, look, I'm a, I'm a Diggs fan. He was really frustrating to own at a lot of times uh, last season. But I think that, you know, that's partially because of the quarterback. They're definitely more of a running team. But even though Thielen may not get the touchdowns, because I think Cook will get a lot of those. And certainly mm -hmm. I think Irv sure. Smith is going to be a name that um, is going to be a good name this year. I think he is. I don't think they drafted Irv Smith two years ago to not play. So I think he's going to this year. I still think that Thielen could be a, a guy that catches 100 balls for, you know, 1,300 yards, 1,400 yards, six, seven touchdowns. So um, I probably would say that, that his volume will increase, not as much potentially as some people think. Because I think that there is a chance. This is a very big boomer bust year, I think, for the Vikings. They could really go one way Agreed. or the other. They they could maybe, if it doesn't go well, uh, I mean, they could have to blow this thing up. Or they could do very well. And maybe Cousins takes that next step. But I think Thielen is a safe guy. Uh, maybe, you know, to have his, if, if you go running back, running back in the first two picks. Or maybe you go running back and then you pick all the way back around, late second, early third round. Um, I know that his ADP is in the fourth round. I'd have no problem taking him in the third round. Yeah, well, right now he's going easily in the fourth round, and that's my whole point is he's basically your wide receiver too. That's kind of the territory you're getting him. And you're absolutely right. He doesn't have the high ceiling of the guys in the wide receiver one category, the Julios of the world, these, those kind of guys. But he does have a high weekly floor, and I think that's something that is very important. And I think in best ball as your wide receiver too, you're looking for Cooper Cup. You're looking for Adam Thielen. You're looking for these guys who have very high floors that you know every week you can count on for a base of points, and that's very important. The next guy on those list is actually going overall – in the seventh round around pick number five, and that is Terry McLaurin, who is a guy that you were very much on last year. I remember in that first week, you were saying, hey, go out there. The purple book. The purple book. Yeah, the purple book. The purple year. book got that right for sure. And you know what? It was the it, only it, thing we got, but we got yeah, it. But you that did get that, it. That's, hey. that's why we sell so many copies was McLaurin. And, and that's why I want to make sure we, we point it out and give you a little, you know, a little – not at a tip it, of the it cap. Was, it was, but that wasn't, I didn't even like McLaurin. It wasn't that I like, it wasn't even him, if you remember what I said about that last year. Well, that what was, you said was. I can't even take credit about it. Well, I, I mean, he, he does fit that. He fits the concept of, will this team be playing from behind? Yes. Is he the number one wide receiver? Yeah, but it wasn't the guy. Here? What did I say? What did I say was going to happen with Washington? What, what did you year? say? What was I, I write about? What, what did you say was going to happen? That they were I gonna said go the guy. I said the guy that's going to lead the league in receiving on the Redskins, we have not said his name yet. <laughs> that is true. You did say that before the season That's started. What I said. And it was and it Terry McLaurin. And it ended up being hey, Terry McLaurin. And he had 919 yards and seven touchdowns last year. And again, if you're giving him to me as a wide receiver three or four, I mean, that is tremendous value. I mean, how many guys come close to a thousand with seven touchdowns? And what happens is the negativity of 
oh, he's on a bad team. Well, guess what? That's not a bad thing for a wide receiver. That means late in the games are going to have to be aggressive, taking shots are going to be from behind. How many leads are the freaking Redskins going to be? How did he do with Haskins? He did know. okay at the end of the year. It wasn't as good, but I don't know if we're going to see Haskins. Oh, I don't know if it's going to be Kyle Allen. I'd have to go break those down. I can't bring it up at the same time we have Skype running because but they were a lot worse the than they were with the other guy. They right. were worse than they were. Uh, yes, with Case Keenum, they were clearly right. better than they so were. I am telling but, you that I'm very, very worried about that. Well, situation. again, I guess it depends on what your vision of the situation is because my vision is that uh, Dwayne Haskins is not playing entire season as a quarterback. Uh, the next guy on this list is Debo Samuel, who's going, believe it or not, after Terry McLaurin, which I even find staggering. Now, the problem with Debo is that he's got a bit of an incomplete. He missed some time with injuries last year. But if you were watching those 49er games at the end of the year, this was a player last year in the black book, not the purple book. I was super high on and I was just waiting for him to kind of break through. But the injuries really stunted that growth. And then Emmanuel Sanders got there. But we all know what happened in the playoffs. We all know what happened at the last few weeks of the season, how Debo really emerged. And he just fits so well, that Kyle Shanahan offense, what they want to do, and they get the ball in his hands. And I think, despite drafting Brandon Ayuk as well, that I still think Debo is the number one wide receiver in this core right now, for sure. And I think, again, he is the prototypical Shanahan guy. And at 7-8 overall, I think he's a, a great investment in best ball. Yeah, I mean, Samuel's a young wide receiver, uh, on the rise for sure, a kid with great pedigree in college, too. And and I think that, you know, sometimes for me, it's not so much about the names. It's just kind of about the model that they're following. And, you know, he's a guy going into his second year and not really a lot of competition there. You know, the guy that probably would have given him the same competition at his position is not there anymore in Goodwin. So um, I think Samuel is, is I'd be comfortable with him as probably a, you know, a low end wide receiver, too. No issue with that. Now, this next guy I think we're going to fight about because I know you do not like the Colts. But this is it's all not about, about the Colts. It's about the guys just – it eventually ends. And, and, <laughs> well, and, it's, and, it look, and it might be ending. Hill. It's over. It, well, and it might be. But at seventh round, almost eighth round value, what does it cost you to find out, Craig? I just – I look at it and I'm looking at some of the names that going around there in that eighth round and I'm thinking to myself – you know, T.Y.'s the number one with Philip Rivers, who's never thrown for less than 4,000 yards in forever in a season. I mean, you have to go back years before that happened. I mean, this is a guy that I understand you don't like it, but I can't tempt you at that almost eighth round value for T.Y. Hilton. Just one more time for best ball no. right off into the sunset. No, T.Y.'s a great player. I love him. Played at Florida International University. Um, has had a fantastic career, but that's it. Okay. All right. Well, can I tempt you in the eighth round with Marquise Brown? Young because player, this... second year. Yes, you can. Okay. That's, that's all right. the difference. I'm. All, I don't take the old guys. I just don't do it. That's right. Uh, that's fair. That's that's totally fair and understandable. This is the Listen, NFL. And Larry Fitzgerald punches me in the mouth every year. And I was says, just well, gonna bring up Larry Fitzgerald. I was like, oh, and, I feel and, about that. and Nelson Cruz and and David Ortiz do the same thing. And, <laughs> well, and you know what? But Adam. But those are the those are the exceptions, not the rule. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I think, again, you target those specific ones, the Nelson Cruises of the world, because they don't play the field every day. So why not take a shot on the bat? Uh, but Marquise Brown, guy who started off really red hot, then injuries, then some incompletes there. But I'm not ready to give up on him, especially at almost a ninth round value. Why wouldn't you take a shot on best ball? That's a great opportunity. He's a great best ball wide receiver. Deontay Johnson, another guy I have very high expectations for. Last year, with horrible quarterback play, this guy was respectable. I mean, you go look at the yards and, and the numbers last year on Deontay Johnson. They are very respectable for a guy who played with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph. And if you're going to tell me you're going to add Roethlisberger in, there's no way he's not improving on the 59 receptions or the 680 yards or the five touchdowns. Somebody else is going to play out there. Somebody else is going to be heavily involved in this offense. And it's going to move Juju back into the slot, which is where he is more comfortable anyway. So I think this is a no-brainer. And I think Deontay Johnson is an enormous value almost in the 10th round going 9-11 pick overall on average. Yeah, I, I've heard his name a lot recently. And, um, you know, it was interesting the other day, uh, Mike Alexander came on the show and also mentioned him as well. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be probably, I won't have him, I would guess anywhere, but I, I wouldn't rule it out. It's not something that I'm against. I could see reasoning for it, but, um, you know, wasn't a great player in college. So I'm, 
I'm going to just play a little wait and see on him and potentially maybe he'll be a stud and, and I'll be, uh, and I'll be just sitting out on him. It's not that I'm out on him. I'm just not in. Yeah, I'm in and I'm going to be buying a lot of shares because uh, I do believe with Roethlisberger back, he had, he showed you enough there in the second half of the year that he kind of was picking up the offense, even though it wasn't running or being executed well. And this last one, I know already I got you for, I could throw the fishing rod and pull you up. It's Anthony Miller. At 12.05, I know he's crushed you, but again, in the 12th round as your wide receiver five, why not take a shot on Anthony Miller? I mean, why not? It's best ball. Yeah, I mean, I, I loved Anthony <laughs> Miller in college. I loved him uh, in my dynasty draft. Uh, I paid up to get him. He was my favorite receiver going into the draft, and, and I thought he landed in a great spot. Trubisky was coming off a good year. And then it just went completely south. So 12th round, sure. I mean, I, I can go back down the well and double down on being wrong, and that's hey, fine. Hey, maybe but... Nick Foles helps you out this year. You never know. Anything's possible. I, I hope so. I really like this kid, but he makes you a do. lot of mistakes, both physical and mental. Uh, you know, he didn't even – there was a fumble at the end of the last game of the season. If you remember, he didn't even jump for the ball. It was very bizarre. Uh, either way. Let's do this. We'll take a quick time out here on the show. And when we come back, uh, baseball free agency is going to be here before we know it. Will guys even play for their teams this year? What if they don't? We'll tell you next. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back, Craig and Joe here with you. One of the interesting dynamics of the 2020 Major League Baseball season is the idea that there are going to be several players that potentially may not even suit up for their teams. Now, I don't believe that. I do believe that there will be a season. But uh, players like Mookie Betts, who went over to the Dodgers, is uh, set to become a free agent at the end of the year. He could basically be a de facto Dodger from spring training, and that is it. Um, you know, Jonathan VR of the Miami Marlins, they traded uh, the Orioles, you know, a couple low level players for him and he may not play a single game for, uh, for the Marlins in 2020, if they don't have a season as well. And this could also affect a lot of other players. The other problem with the CBA coming up is that there is a chance that the market goes back to where it was two years ago, where a lot of these guys are waiting to sign because they're asking for a lot of money. So, um, we're, we're headed uh, down a really slippery slope here. And again, I think that this will be one of those conversations that'll be moot in a week from now. I do believe that something will get resolved. I think even if there is a 60 or 70 or 50 game season, it's going to be really hard to take a sample off that and determine what to pay a player. Yeah. And I think when you're looking at these as well, Craig, some of these names on this list, it's imperative because each one of them, a shortened season or no season affects in very different ways, not just from the budgets of certain teams or certain teams with the windows also service time, but also whether or not you believe in certain guys who all of a sudden have started to emerge later in their careers. And, you know, if you're not getting, and we know we're not getting a full 162, that we can all say right now without any worries in 2020, we're not getting a full 162 game season for baseball. So without getting that, you almost have some more incompletes and you're not sure exactly who some of these guys are. Now, the one guy we are sure who he is, is Mookie Betts. The only player with a higher war in the last four years than Mookie Betts is Mike Trout. So Mookie Betts is all world. We know this. Now, I know you are always saying, you know, with the Dodgers, money's always a very interesting thing. Sometimes, you know, they're willing to go in, give extensions to certain players. Other times, not so much. And other times they kind of move money around to move contracts around. So whether or not Mookie Betts, let's say, let's say best case scenario, let's say there is a shortened season and Mookie Betts and the Dodgers finally get over that hump. Do you think that's enough for the Dodgers to get back into the Mookie Betts free agency stakes, or especially since they made that investment in him in terms of moving capital to get him? Or do you think that's what they were trying to do? Goal accomplished, move on to the next guy and try to continue to rework the salary structure that is the Dodgers. 
Yeah, I, I don't think the Dodgers will resign bets on, under any circumstances. I don't care if they win the World Series or not. Uh, but what they will be is the team that appears to be in on Mookie Betts throughout the offseason, just like they appear to be in on Garrett Cole and they appear to be in <laughs> on Anthony Rendon. Uh, Joe, they appear to be in on everyone. They just don't land them because they don't get serious. But they like to throw their name in the hat. Uh, I don't know what this will prove in a short season with the Dodgers in particular. And as we saw with the Nationals in the offseason, look how long it took the Nationals to get over the top. Their best player left and went to go play for the Angels, and they didn't re-sign him. So um, I, I think it's a one-and-done for bets, and the Dodgers are fantastic with their minor league scouting and development. There's probably a player that I have not discussed at some point that will end up being a story. Uh, they usually do not get involved in high price free agents. I think A.J. Pollock is essentially, if I'm not mistaken, the only one, right? Is mm, the only well, guy? that didn't work out very well. So, yeah, I mean, the other money. I mean, they they'll they'll trade for you, Darvish. They'll trade right. for you, Darvish. They'll right. trade for Manny Machado, but they're not signing those well, guys. Well, it's a good model. Right. You know, if short, that's, big, yeah. no, that's, big money, and that's the model that's going to go to San Francisco. It's going to mm -hmm. be the same thing. You're, and you're right. Big money, short term contracts. And then you can get out from under them. And I think that's but the one thing you have to be able to do is draft the way the Dodgers draft. You have they to be do. able to consistently bring in really <laughs> good. Right. But I'm just saying, if you're good, the Giants are going to bring that model. You're going to have to be able to have enough prospects to kind of cycle right. through that. Is there a team in your head that has the combination of money to spend and need for Mookie bets that you think going into next year? would be a front runner for Mookie Betts services. Oh man, it's that's we're so far away from that. Um I know, but this is the only guy I would even ask that question of just because he is such a a, a star in Major League Baseball right now and I mean you know, I, again it, it's 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 the teams that are are willing to take that next step. The Cardinals will be involved in chasing him. He definitely will not go play for them. We know that. The Rangers yeah, the Rangers will will be in the mix for everybody next year too because they'll have a new stadium. So, um, you know that'll be a possibility for them. The Yankees will pop in there. You know they will. Like it's it's well the, the Yankees, Yankees are a fascinating one if they could figure out a way to. to I don't know <laughs> to how they it. can. I mean honestly, like uh, I don't know either. Judge, I don't think guys it's that they're playing. I, I don't I don't think so. But again, their name will be mentioned. Um, Trying to think of a couple of teams who it's are. It's difficult. The Rangers came to mind to for me to too, and because I think the Rangers are going to go into this all-in mode. I, I kind of agree with oh, you. Oh, you know another team. You know another team that I could see that has the money that could do it. I, I'll give you the team that that'll that'll try hard. The Blue Jays. That'll be the, that'll be. Uh, team. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. That's a good one right there. And then he's not the only one too. JT Real Muto, uh, catcher who will be 30 years old. Um, obviously if there is any sort of limited season at all, this is not another full year of catching, which I think is a positive for real Muto's value as a 30 year old catcher. Would you agree with that? So in terms of like rolling that over, I mean, uh, you just see what Grandal signed for, obviously a huge contract. I think we both agree real Muto is in that same kind of class. So somebody's got to open up the pocketbook. Um, it's just a matter of who, but Rio Muto is another one where I kind of wonder if a shortened major league season actually in some ways makes him more appealing of a free agent in 2020. Well, I mean, he definitely would have re-signed with Philadelphia, I think at this point. Uh, but again, things kind of got derailed in, in terms of that. And I don't think that Philadelphia is going to just let him go so easily after trading Sixto Sanchez and Alfaro for him, and then essentially getting back nothing if he ends up leaving in a short season. But uh, JT at this point is is very willing to go to free agency and hear things out. Uh, I think that the money you'd be very surprised to hear is is going to be double what Grandal got. It's going to be an astronomical contract. 150 million is not out of the realm of possibility. Um, five six year deal. He's the best catcher in baseball. Let's not forget that he's also the most athletic. And when he is done playing catcher, Joe, he'll play first base. And when right. he's done playing first base, he'll play DH. He's that kind of guy. Yeah. So he's going to get a massive deal for uh, from someone. And if it's not Philadelphia, the Braves will be right there, ready to pick up the check. So uh, it's going to be a battle for him. Betts will be the number one free agent out there, but JT will be right behind. Uh, Marcus Simeon's another interesting guy, too, because this is a guy that's really emerged in the last year and a half. And this is not going to be a complete season. So it's very difficult to gauge what it's going to be like. What's the market for Marcus Simeon, especially when you consider – the following year, you've got Lindor, Correa, Javier Baez, Corey Seager, and Trevor Story all potentially free agents. So if you want to get a jump on the shortstop class and take a shot on Simeon, you can, or you can wait another year and go for those guys. And another guy, too, in terms of incompletes, 
I don't want to say like incomplete, like he didn't have a good season because he had a great season. It's just, is it for real? It's DJ LeMahieu who had an incredible 2019 season. I mean, you see the numbers there, 26 home runs, 102 RBI, 109 runs scored and 893 OPS. He was brilliant. But are we buying in those one year numbers to give him a deal at this stage in his career? You know, if he has a half a good season or maybe a half a down season, how does that potentially affect a guy like DJ LeMay, who was always kind of a good player, then all of a sudden exploded as a Yankee last season? Yeah, I mean, he was an all-star with the Rockies, too. So I understand that the power went up, but he was always a really good on-base guy. So uh, I, I don't think that 50 games is going to do one thing or another, and I don't think that that will, will be approved for him. Now, in, in terms of free agents, there are a lot of guys in that category for sure. Simeon, I think, is more one of them, even than LeMahieu, because of the money that Simeon would command at his position uh, we'll talk about Bauer. He's in that category. Stroman, he's in that category. Ozuna, he's in that category, too. Uh, but I think with LeMahieu, you pretty much know what you're getting. I would not expect him to cash in on any more, essentially, than he got with the Yankees this past time. He'll probably, especially with a recession coming in baseball, he'll probably have mm -hmm. to settle for a two- or three-year deal with someone, uh, you know, $10, 15000000 million a year. And I think that's kind of the max that you would pay a guy like that. I don't think anyone would pay him off the year that he had last year. But if you want to pay him on the years previous, I think he gets a good contract. Well, I think you make a great point, too, about the impending recession of Major League Baseball, potentially, and with the CBA look, you know, coming up in 2021. There's so many things here that— If they player... play this year, there's no possible way that outside of Betts and JT, maybe Springer, no one's getting paid. It's gonna well, be that was the next guy, too, year. is George Springer's 31 years old now, so— George oh, Springer, he'll get a big deal. He'll get well, a you deal. could say that he's 31 years old and okay, he, you know, you want to give him a five year deal. I mean, that's, I would imagine he's looking oh, for a minimum. Of course he's going to get that. that. He'll, he'll, so, get, he'll get minimum that. Yeah. I think he gets minimum that as well, regardless of whatever the situation is, because I think you look at Springer and you say, hey, look, this guy's, you know, part of a winning franchise. This guy's been very productive for a long period of time. The pitchers are intriguing as well because. Shortened season, less innings, less starts. I don't know if that's a positive for Trevor Bauer or Marcus Stroman. I think both of those guys had a lot to show this season. Trevor Bauer was absolutely dreadful when he got traded over to, to the National League last year, which is normally not the path you take. And then Marcus Stroman, I think, is, again, kind of an incomplete. You're waiting to see what he was going to do this year. Neither of these guys are going to be able to pitch a full season. So do you see that as a positive if they both have good short runs in 2020? Or is it a negative because, again, you're always looking at those splits of Trevor Bauer every year, and you're going, who is he? Is he Jekyll? Is he Hyde? I don't know. I know for me he's not a guy that I've always been a fan of in fantasy. I try to stay away from him because it's so extreme, those polar opposites of who you're yeah. going to get on the mound. But how do you think that impacts the pitchers? Because there will be less tread on the tires. Does that make major league teams and organizations a little bit more apt to go the extra year on a pitcher like a Stroman or a Bauer because it's only like 12 potential starts this year they'd be making? I think both guys would get one-year deals. I think Whoa, both Bauer wow. and Stroman, regardless of that. Yeah, I don't, I don't see long-term deals for either of those guys. But I would project both of them to bounce back. And I do think Stroman, even though he pitched worse in New York than he did in Toronto last year, I do think that that could potentially change. Again, a lot of caveats to this, and the biggest one of all, universal DH. That would you right. know, certainly change the, the landscape of it. But um, in terms of Springer, I know that there will be some discussion about the cheating scandal and all of that, but in the end, Springer is not going to be... He's gonna. He's not gonna be the first choice. It's gonna be Betts, and some team that doesn't get Betts will turn to Springer and give him the money. Uh, and by the way, he's athletic. He can play defense. Oh, sure. I mean, five years is the minimum that I would think. Now, again, the finances of the league and what's going to happen, that's going to be a factor here. Uh, but I, I don't have yeah. concerns with Springer. See, the finances, of the, goes. Yeah, the finances of the league always concern me with a guy like Ozuna, who already last year— Yeah, he's in big trouble next year. year. Yeah, he's but in big is he in bigger trouble if you get the universal DH? All of a sudden, does he become a very appealing he's player? He's in huge trouble. Nah, he's in huge trouble. He's okay. In why yeah, is he in huge trouble? Because well, I, agree. I mean, he, he, he did a show-me deal, and he doesn't get to show anyone. He's going to have to do another one-year deal. Preach. I don't think I agree. maybe a two year deal, maybe a two year deal. I mean, he's going to be in the I mean, it's crazy, but he's going to be in that Avisel Garcia, Corey Dickerson, Yasiel Puig category. I don't think that's crazy. And I agree 100 percent. I think that's exactly the categories in next year. Two years, 17 million, 18 million. I think that's it. I don't think. And, and plus, he had some legal trouble uh, over right. the weekend. Yes. You know, I mean, I, I don't think that that's a huge factor in it, but, uh, you know, I, I, and I'm a big fan of Ozo and he knows that, uh, but I, I just, uh, this, this really hurt him and he would have been in a great situation this year playing on Atlanta on a really good team. 
And now um, we have to wait and see. All right, hour number one is in the books. We'll be back for hour number two. Some FanDuel props in the NFL. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.